Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host, Logar the Barbarian. And I'm joined today by Jason Fleming, the author of In the Shadow of Tower Silver Axe. And right now on Kickstarter, the, Scour- the Scourge of the Northlands. Did I pronounce that correctly? Scourge of Northland, yeah. yeah and Scourge of Northland. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. No doubt, no doubt. So I'm curious to know, I've got, we actually did a, a review of this in the shadow of Tower Silver Axe, which I, was that your first zine? Your that first was my outing? first one, yeah. And the art you did yourself as well as the writing? Yep. And yep. the layout as well? Did you do that? Yeah. That's that's impressive. This is good a, a good amount of stuff there. <laughs> well, I did. I had a lot of time. It was uh, COVID that kind of inspired me to just do it. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to work on a project, and I'd already actually I did the cover back in 2017, and I was just sitting on it, and I was like, oh, you know, it'd be cool if I did an adventure kind of based on based around that, and then I kind of just went crazy for a few months, and um, the adventure originally was like really big, and I had to like narrow it down to like just a quarter of the map and just focus on this area and kind of detailed all that out. So yeah, it was, it was a labor of love, lots of tears and sweat <laughs> to that one. Well, then you followed it up with through the Valley of the Manticore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one, um, I wanted to follow it up, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my friends, one of my backpacking buddies I, uh, invited me on a trip to Utah which I had never been to. Um, and we went on like a canyoneering trip, kind of pseudo canyoneering and kind of just went up through slot canyons and trails and got to see a lot of beautiful countryside there. So I based the setting of that one kind of on the canyon lands of Utah to kind of, it's kind of, it, it was a, um, a setting that I've never really seen in other adventures. And I was like, you know what? I, I like to make, base my adventures on place first because dungeon masters can come up with their own stuff. Um, so I wanted to make it an interesting and um, kind of a living environment. Yes, I, it, 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 they're, they're great prints. Uh, they're great little books. They, I like the way that they're laid out personally. I like the way that the story is structured. Like you said, it is very location based. Mm-hmm. Um, could you tell, could you talk a little more on some of that and doing location based adventures? Yeah. Um, there's, I was inspired by, you know, stuff that Gavin Norman did and other um, independent creators where they would try to make the adventures like extremely usable and they would try to keep all the information on one page and, you know, like uh, one page dungeons or the one page adventures that people put out. Those are really awesome. And they're all just on one page and it's really usable. Um, you know, there's, it requires very little prep. And I wanted to do that with an entire module with several locations that you could just look at one page and you don't have to like flip around for statistics or wanted to make it really usable. And so I would, you know, come up with the dungeons and I wanted to make sure it all fit into one page. So I would try and confine the design and the layout of the dungeon itself. So everything would kind of fit. Like if there were too many rooms and the uh, descriptions got too verbose. I would have to edit myself and edit the map to make sure it all fits. So it was all about usability first. Um, and yeah, that's kind of my approach. Excellent. And, and what can you tell us about the one that you currently have on Kickstarter that you're going to be putting out? Um, yeah, that one, it's, it's a lot bigger. I'll say that. Oh. <laughs> it, and I was, it's, it, the map is going to be a lot bigger. Uh, and I've, I've set it as definitely for lower, um, lower event uh, level play so it can be and I'm, I'm kind of trying to 
structure it so it's an introductor, in, introductory adventure for uh, new dungeon masters and new players, because I'm seeing a lot of people that are coming into the hobby, but they're coming in directly into BX, D&D, or uh, Old School Essentials, which I find is really fascinating. Usually it's 5th edition, that's the gateway. Mm -hmm. But um, one thing that's missing from a lot of adventures, not that it's, not that it can't happen, but it's not that it's told to dungeon masters that uh, mass combat can happen. Large encounters with like war bands of orcs can be <laughs> encountered, uh, avoided, and uh, I kind of wanted to like seed those sorts of encounters or the possibility of those encounters into the adventure so that the setting is basically the Northland, which is um, like most adventures, it's a frontier. Humans are expanding and um, they're coming up against the residents, which are happen to be orcs and giant spiders and the like. And so like a war is brewing and the humans are trying to fight off the orc but you know it's kind of morally ambiguous as to whether or not the humans are really the bad guys the scourge of northland can be actually the lawful humans um yeah <laughs> i so appreciate it, that <laughs> yeah exactly so so the the players and the dm can kind of do what they will with it i'm presenting the information that a war is brewing they can join a side if they want they can go off and do their own thing they'll be tons of locations i think right now i'm sitting at like 20 plus um small dungeons and towers and locations throughout this map so it's a lot bigger than silver axe i think i had somewhere around 12 or 13 dungeons in silver axe there were quite a few little dungeons in there uh yeah. i don't i don't know if i counted the number of them yeah i originally started with nine and then after the kickstarter i was like expanding more because i had stretch goals and i was like oh that's more and i kept going so so this one i'm trying to there's going to be lots of locations they're not going to be um massive some of them actually are pretty massive but i don't want to make it overwhelming you know yeah. they can they come up to like a dungeon and it won't be like a four level mega dungeon it'll be like something they can maybe get done in the in the evening you know something that's usable and not uh, exhausting for the dungeon master can you tell us about the different tiers of backing on this? Because it looks like there's quite a few here. There's yeah. There's, there's a... The first tier is just the the PDF for those who want it. Uh, the second one's the print, how I've kind of done in the past. Um, and then I've added another one, which was kind of a suggestion from one of the backers. I have the maps, um, which will be available as an add-on. But in the books, I usually add a lot of... Um, handouts and that sort of stuff. So I decided to add a lot of uh, printed extras. So there'll be printed rumor cards, printed magic item cards and uh, treasure maps that the players can acquire if they find them, if they're so lucky. And, uh, and then that'll include the overland map, which has been pretty popular. Excellent, excellent. Now I'm curious about some talking about something with you that 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 I don't think I get into with as many of the, the guests because we seem to have more writers than artists. But oh, I'm yeah. I'd like to know some about your about your art and your art history, your art process, all that. Like, sure. what what mediums are you using? Are you doing and stuff like that? How do you approach this? Yeah, um, I let's see. I, I drew a lot when I was a kid, and then um, I stopped for a long time. I went to film school actually and studied lighting, and I worked in the film industry as a lighting technician. So I feel like I, I gained a lot of um, visual knowledge mm -hmm. from working in in that uh, sector and then I left the industry and went back to college and took art classes and design classes and uh, yeah I use a lot of different mediums a lot of the time I'll use um, traditional medium for like all my black and white art is just ink and pen yeah on Bristol um, in my 
paintings are all digital. So I use um, like a small tablet. Actually, I use this tiny little thing and then Photoshop for painting and that sort of thing. Okay. Okay. It's uh, yeah. I can definitely tell you've got a grasp of looking at some of the images that you have laid out on the, uh, on the Kickstarter that are, I guess all of these color images are going to be in the Kickstarter or something. Oh yeah. So the, the Kickstarter ones, um, the latest hotness is mid journey. So a lot of, a lot of those are um, generated using AI, but then like photo bash together with Photoshop. Mm -hmm. So there's some digital painting in a lot of those images, but I would say a lot of the elements are results from the AI, Okay, which has been able to afford me a lot of, um, it saves a ton of time when you can like, <laughs> generate 20 images in a week and like, you know, it takes some time for some take longer than others. Um, but it's, it's really kind of a, a glorious tool. I think it's certainly being overused and, and I'm, I'm guilty of that in this one too, but I think it's, it's going to find its place. And, I, and I'm excited to see where this AI technology takes us. Now the covers of the, of in the shadow of tower silver Axe and through the Valley of the Manticore, you, those were digitally done. Uh, yeah, through Photoshop. I, I painted those in uh, Photoshop. They're good. I, now, when you're doing Photoshop, are you doing the sketch originally and digitally? Or are you sketch it and scan it? Or how do you approach that? I'm curious. Um, let's see. With Manticore, I think I paint, I drew that one on paper first, and then I scanned that in and then painted over the top of it. And in Silverax, uh, I just kind of did a little doodle in my sketchbook and then just drew it directly into Photoshop kind of by looking at that. And then I took a lot of photo reference. I always take a ton of photo reference of myself making silly poses. Like I was holding <laughs> like a broomstick for the big skeleton on the cover. And <laughs> we were, we were lucky enough when I was in the Marine Corps, I was a, my, 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 uh, my MLS was a 4611 was a combat illustrator. So I worked with all the photographers and the videographers and we cross trained in that, but we had a whole photo studio. So when it came to getting photo reference, I used to do little comics and we'd be jumping around in the photo studio, everybody getting all crazy, doing all these superhero poses. And everything. Oh yeah. It's the best. It, it helps when people can take the photo of you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's good. If you got a bunch of Marines, that will jump around for you for your superheroes too. <laughs> yeah, totally. Get your buddy to, to be flying in the air. And we try to capture people midair while they're yeah. jumping and everything. It was, it was a lot of fun. We did that a few times. That sounds wonderful. Yeah for a photo reference so yeah but how did you so how did you get into doing this how did you like start with gaming and make that transition to where you're putting your own stuff out and all that i'm like the forever dm in my group and i got into dungeon mastering i think back when the the fifth edition starter set came out i forget when that was was that like 2014 you know, I could not say I do not. <laughs> I do not know 100 percent. Yeah, So I, I got that and we ran those adventures and I ran a lot of stuff from Wizards of the Coast. And then I kind of got frustrated with that. And I just kept trying to do my own stuff and, you know, practicing that for a long time. But I'm a over prepper. So I, I have a lot of fun just spending 20 hours a week on just prepping an adventure that nobody's ever going to see. Uh, nobody's going to see these notes. But, yeah, I get really into that part of it. So I think I really enjoy the the world building aspects of it in the writing and I like dungeon mastering. I don't say, I don't think I'm very good at it, but oh, <laughs> I no. certainly I certainly love uh preparing and um and I, I learn a lot from running the adventures, that's for sure. That's great. Yeah, I don't think that I think most of the adventures I run, I'm lucky if I get like 20% through what I had planned for that night. I'm <laughs> lucky if I get through through 20% of what I have planned. Mm -hmm. 
there is the odd occasional night when I'm like totally winging it. And I'm like, okay, I've only prepped for two, an hour or two at most. And I've jotted down names and some few ideas and I'll get through a lot of it there, but I bet. Yeah. I, usually over preparation is the way I've always done. <laughs> Those uh, improv sessions tend to be the better ones too. Those always seem to be more fun for the dungeon mastering and the players. I think there's a, a balance that's necessary. And I think that's why, like, like I, what I like about the kinds of modules that you're putting together is there's a balance there that's necessary between improv and preparation. Yeah. And DMs get better at that as they run it. You know, you just have to just do it. You know, I feel like there's so much information that the Wizards of the Coast versions of the adventures are given and you, you're supposed to remember all that stuff. I'm not sure if you're supposed to or not, but... <laughs> I think it's better just to kind of give a, uh, a terse, shorter description of the adventure or the stuff that's going to be happening or that will be happening around the players and just kind of let the players tell you what's going to happen or <laughs> or uh, how they react and you can kind of react to their reactions. Yeah, the way I tend to approach when I'm prepping for a game is the things that I feel I need to know is I need to know where they're going to be, like the physical locations, what they're going to be interacting with, where they're going to be able to go and have an idea of that. But also like an idea of who the people are and the things are they're going to meet and what their drives are helps me if when I'm going Absolutely. into this. Yeah, and I feel like that's where the information needs. That's the top threshold you need to reach. And beyond that, I think is just... A waste it's just extra if i have like a sequence of how events are supposed to be ran this way etc cetera, etc cetera, it definitely like 90 some percent of the time will be derailed especially by my play. <laughs> yeah and that's the over that's the curse of over prepping is like wow well, i did all this but you know well. so yeah I, I, when i'm approaching it i think that like like i said the way you have structured these modules um and, and they're very in line with what old school essentials has been putting out or uh necrotic gnome i feel like you said the most what you need is there on that page for that dungeon or for that or for that region now shadow of uh, uh the the shadow of tower silver axe it's like a big forest and there's a there's a big tower silver axe in the center correct mm-hmm was it elves that originally were there or how did that I'm trying to recall for it's been a minute since I read it's been a couple months since I had read in this that. uh this world that I'm kind of structuring these adventures around there's like a really ancient race like millions of years ago there was a, a race of um creatures just known as the builders because okay. their name has been lost to time um but since then yeah elves and the more uh ancient races kind of like observe or try to keep certain things in check now that the original guardians or the builders are no longer there to kind of give explanation to what the magic is. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, chaotic beings like uh, the ward silver X can come in and um, harness the power. And obviously in his hands, it goes crazy and you know, the players can figure out how to handle that. Cause I don't know. How, I don't know how to handle that. <laughs> <laughs> so the three modules are, are they in fact in the same world or intended yeah. to be in the same world? They are the one that's a little bit, um, I'm not sure where to place it as Manticore. That one, I'm not sure where that would, would fit in my, cause I have like a world map and I'm not sure which region it would play in, but it can kind of slot into any mountain pass. So I'm, I'm curious to know, like, like, uh, are you planning on continuing on making more zines in this format within this world and filling out yeah. that setting? And is there anything 
bigger than that you might want to do one day <laughs> yeah uh with that i'm not sure how big we'll go um I, i've got a couple more adventure ideas that i'd like to at least explore like i've had a lot of people requesting a high level adventure or a mid to high level mm -hmm. tier so that's kind of cooking um and we have some other location-based stuff that we feel is pretty unique. But beyond that, I'm not sure what we'll do yet. We're looking at other genres and other games and stuff too, like Mothership. And Oh, nice. Yeah, there's some really fun stuff out there that we kind of want to play with. Well, I will say, I will say, since I got your ear, if, if there was ever a Kickstarter that, that compiled the different adventures in one world into a nice A5 size hardback book, I'd be one of the first to back something like that. Like, <laughs> hey, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you're so not the first to suggest a, a setting book. But yeah, that's that'll be in the, the work. Since there's a lot of information I have on the setting, um, it'd be neat to kind of put something out. That would be cool. I'm not sure if it would be zine quest material or if it would just be something I do later on. Yeah, I mean, at some point, like if you were to do a hardback compiled version with all that information and the adventures and stuff mm -hmm. like that, that's definitely, I don't think that's zine quest. I think that's stepping up a little bit, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, who knows? Cool. Just putting that seed out there. I would <laughs> like that. <laughs> I've gotten a few, I've gotten a few things I've wanted from some creators I'd like to see them from. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a ton of creative people out there. I love their stuff. Certainly are. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. We're about out of time, though. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Oh, no doubt. Could you tell the listeners where they can find you online and where they can pick up your stuff? Yeah. Um, if you go to my blog, which is gelatinouscubism.com, that has the link to Kickstarters and my, uh, what is it called? Oh, my God. I'm blinking. Itch. Or yeah, itch. Uh, and I've also got uh, drive through big cartel. Ah, big cartel. Yeah. And also, my stuff's on drive through art, also. So, actually, yeah, and that's that's kind of my stuff. No doubt. And we'll have links to the Kickstarter and some of that in the show notes if you need to find those and just look down there. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon. We could really use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling. <laughs>